Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, uh, this is me, Chris McGlade. Tickets are on sale for my critically acclaimed show, Forgiveness, at the iconic 100 Club on Oxford Street in London. How can you write a comedy show about the murder of your father? Well, Chris McGlade, the Northern Comedian, has with his critically acclaimed show, Forgiveness, at the 100 Club on Oxford Street, October the 12th. Tickets at biletto.co.uk or at the 100 Club. Chris McGlade... Forgiveness. Come down and see the show. Thanks very much. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC, it's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tennick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak year wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that. Like, <laughs> be like, Jared! And what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it. What a moment. What a moment. Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews. The one and only Ewan Angus. Big G Telfer. Director of Still Games, Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Hi, neighbour. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time, man. <laughs> Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of rest. It's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Irish Sony Ron Harris and this is the Chelsea. No, it's not really. It's Gary. While Andy's away and Kerry continues flirting with death, I've uh, taken over the podcast this week. So uh, my regards to Kerry, my regards to Andy as he um, lays on a beach in um, in Spain looking like a gammon. And uh, with my two guests this week, we've got Mooch Michael or Michael Mooch. Just call me Mooch. It's all good. Mooch, how you doing, mate? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, obviously on a crest of a wave because Chelsea are top going into the uh, international break. Yeah, yeah. Great result uh, yesterday, which um, gives us bragging rights uh, for the next week or two. Which is good. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Mooch, because um, I know you've been on here before, but um, you're not a regular. So um, if you just update people on who you are, what you're doing, where you come from, like Silla Black. <laughs> well, tonight, yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a stand-up comic, um, and I run a comedy club in Vauxhall called the Vauxhall Comedy Club. We're very good at naming things originally. Um, that's about it, really. Lifelong Chelsea fan. Um, sort of grew up in uh, uh, Fulham. Um, and, yeah, been supporting the Blues ever since. But you're a podcaster as well? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I produce podcasts as well. Um, you're plugging this better than I am. 
Uh, I have <laughs> That's a... what I'm here to do, mate. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Andy pod... Saunders, he doesn't do this, I do it. <laughs> I've also got a podcast studio called the Vauxhall Podcast Studio. Again, very original name, um, where we produce a, a, a variety of comedians' podcasts. Any comedians of note? Um, yeah, like Carl Donnelly, who is a Tottenham fan, unfortunately. Um, we've also done uh, Flav from the Fighting Cock. There's a lot okay. of Tottenham... Um, supporters actually who do the podcast with us uh, Helen Bauer Catherine Bohart um, we used to do some with Dan Baptiste Kay Curd um, uh, we've even done some of Mo Gilligan's early ones um, but he's uh, he's built his own studio now so he doesn't rent mine I don't know what it is about Spurs fans but um, when I worked at Chelsea in, in the in the marketing department or on Chelsea TV everyone that worked there seemed to be Spurs as well they seemed to get everywhere yeah it's yeah it's, uh, it's horrible well, we're making Horrible. a fight back. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I was about to bring you in, Jeff. So um, the voice you heard there was uh, Jeff Whiting, who we know as a former guest on the podcast as well. So it's been a while, Jeff, since you and I were together doing this. I know you've done it since, but the last time we did it was actually in person as well. It was in person, pre-COVID, a couple of years ago at least, maybe two and a half. And uh, yeah, um, and uh, I love doing it. Whenever I get the chance to do the pod, I love doing it. So, you know, um, it's good to be back. How have you been getting on? Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. I mean, back gigging again now after about eight months doing nothing whatsoever in COVID like most of us, or all of us. And then um, really glad to get back gigging and seeing football with crowds. So double whammy, you know, football stadiums with proper crowds in and doing gigs in front of audiences. So win-win. And um, yeah, it's great. And of course, the way the season started for us, fantastic. So, yeah. So j- just quickly, actually, before we get into the football, I just wanted to ask you this because you're both stand-ups. You both rely on people turning up and seeing you play or perform live so how has the last 18 months been for you it must have been must have been just as tough as it's been for players because we've watched Chelsea playing in empty stadiums we saw them playing a quarter full um, stadium to win the Champions League and it's sort of been just a horrible experience watching it let alone playing in it you know these these horrible empty just a vacuum of a stadium so what's that been like for you chaps Obviously, you haven't been turning up to a comedy club, right? Just talking to no one. <laughs> well, there, there was Zoom. I didn't get involved in any of the Zoom gigs. I don't know about you, Jeff, but no. uh, the, Same the, it's it. I, some people love it. Some people have thrived in it, uh, but it's not for me. Uh, we, we buckled down, did some podcasts. We we did we did a lot of outdoor gigs, which are not great. You know, comedy should be you know in a, in a, in a in a dark room with low ceilings and, and lots of alcohol, not sort of sunny sunny sort of places. It, it, it's not been great, but I don't know if you're feeling this. But now that the crowds are back, they're bang up for it. They're, they've been they've been missing it, possibly more than before. But like you know, you just said you know they're they're really up for it, and maybe as comedians as well, we appreciate it a bit more. I mean, you know, I've been doing it a long time before, you know, maybe 20 years before lockdown. So maybe you get very used to having a good crowd. And then when you haven't had a proper crowd or you've got a small crowd, no crowd or Zoom, when you get a crowd back, you think, actually, yeah, I really appreciate doing this because you realise what a great buzz it is to do. So it's been good, but you're right. It was a terrible period. You know, I didn't do Zoom either. You just couldn't do, you know, Zoom gigs with 15 people on the screen, just couldn't. Um, are you getting heckled less now that people are in and they were away for a while because at football stadiums I don't know maybe because I was on the other side of it as a journalist before but going back now as a as a fan properly since Covid and since I stopped covering football it feels like there's pent up frustration where people are like I've been wanting to get at this ref for 18 months and now he's actually in front of me so it seems like everyone wants to get on their back a bit more rightly or wrongly what I've noticed was we had like we had little gaps where we could do comedy so like just before Christmas last year and when people came out in those little in that little window that two week gap before we got locked down again for six months they went mental they were there were there was no half measures. Everyone was very very up for it, but there were a lot more casualties, so, so to speak. A lot of really really drunk crowds, which uh, sometimes can be great, but if you know, generally you want them to listen and <laughs> laugh, uh, and it can get it, it did get out of hand towards. But Christmas Christmas crowds are always like that as well, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. I think initially there was where people were getting very excited, possibly drinking a bit more than normal and getting a bit carried away when we first came back. But it's, I think it's bedded in now. You know, it's quite nice. Yeah. But it took a few months to just settle back in. But it's nice. Uh, it's great now. I mean, it's, it's... Well, talking it's, of getting out of hand, 
Andy's not here, so I'm going to get out of hand because uh, normally Andy likes to do that. He's v- the way he does it, he's very regimented. He goes through lineups and then he starts doing things in a really chronological order because maybe he's got a bit of OCD. But I'm Squad different. I, 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 well, I, I'm a bit of a maverick, I like to think. So um, <laughs> I thought, as this the is wrong. my show, yeah, exactly. I thought, as it's my show, and well, you know, uh, Ron's come along to join me. Um, <laughs> I thought we would do this a bit different because we're going into an international break as well. And um, I don't want to get bogged down in talking about the two matches that we've played since the last podcast. So um, I thought we'd touch upon them quickly. But then I always think that this international break in October, uh, more so than one in September, is always a nice time to have a little pause for thought almost, like we're on Radio 2 and sort of assess where the team's going, what, what we've done, you know, what we can maybe expect, because I think the season's starting to take shape now. I think you can see it in the table where, obviously, we're top, like we were saying, Liverpool second, City third, uh, United fourth. The top four's starting to take a bit of early shape. Um, still not sure what to make of Spurs, because they're a Hot bit cold. shit, but they're only four points behind us still. Um, so it's, I just thought it'd be a, not a nice opportunity for us to really talk about some of the wider wider issues. But before we get into them, um, let's just combine the Juventus and Southampton games, really. So um, just starting with the Juventus game, what did you guys make of that? Because I, I was there, I was in the Juve end, uh, right next to the away end. And I just thought out of all the times that I've paid, because normally I'd go on these away trips for free because it was Expense, all expenses for work of all the times I pay to go watch Chelsea abroad they play this shit well I mean I, I thought it's just typical of us where well we definitely lack the cutting edge didn't we I know you know Lukaku had a two well I thought the header he had a very you know in the last 20 minutes you know that was I know it just went past the post and then the shot that he missed um, but so you could say he had chances, but just probably only those two. But we did look a bit sort of blunt, didn't we, attack-wise, you know, considering that we had more possession and we were doing what we did last season. I thought, you know, in the bad games last season where we had a lot of possession and couldn't break through people. And that's why we supposedly paid nearly 100 million quid for Lukaku is because that's what was supposed to be the problem. But on this occasion, it didn't come off, did it? And it was frustrating to watch. Well, I think Bonucci, like, is obviously, he's got, he's got, you know, experience with with Lukaku, uh, and he he was uh, he was just a bit more wily. You know, a bit more experienced than sort of uh, the Premier League sort of defenders who who've just been blown away by him. So I think it, it kind of neutralised Lukaku. We didn't look amazing. You know, that lapse of concentration for their goal. It's not what you wanted after the after the City loss, but. You know, it's 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 not the worst game to lose. I, I think we can still do okay in that group. It, it felt like a hangover from the City game, where mm. it, although we were on the front foot and we had more of the possession, it just seemed like they were a bit blunt in attack still. So I don't know whether, and I don't know how you two feel about it, but I don't know whether to be concerned should we come up against teams like that later on in the season. Yeah, I mean, we had a little bit of trouble breaking Zenit down, didn't we? Uh, so, I mean, you know, obviously we did win that 1-1-0, but we, we do seem to put up against very high-quality, you know, European teams, you know, with good defenders and, you know, good managers. You know, we do seem to have a little bit of trouble breaking teams down. Um, and that's something he's got to sort out. I know there's all this, them talking about is the car communicating properly, can Mount communicate with him better than someone else, can somebody else not communicate with him properly? Is he coming for the ball or not coming for it or making runs? So maybe that's something that's just got to bed in. I mean, I suppose he's only had five or six games, so maybe it's something he's, that will bed in and it will become lethal if he does. But obviously there's some talk that you know, some players aren't quite reading his runs and some are, and so maybe we're struggling with that. I mean, it's important to remember that... Um... Thomas Tuchel's not been at the club a year yet, really. You know, he's, he's, he's still fairly, fairly new. And, you know, um, he's got, you know, Lukaku, who's a brand new player. Um, coming in, it's going to take a little bit of time for them all to click. Um, and, but saying that, you know, we've had, a, we've had a great start to the season. You know, we're top of the league. Three London derbies, you know, uh, won. Um, and, you know, City and Liverpool game sort of uh, played and and, and you know, it's a really tough start to the season and and we're we're on top of top of the league. And th- there are some issues from the Juve game which I will bring up um which would be interesting to get your thoughts on um namely the the double six as as it's now being coined um with Jorginho and Kovacic or 
whoever plays alongside Jorginho, which we'll, we'll come to as part of the uh, the wider points we discussed. But then moving into Southampton, the headline was the well the team selection. Really, I think he surprised a lot of people, but I like the fact that he. There were some casualties, not permanent casualties, but you know, temporary casualties where he's showing players that if they don't perform, they're not going to get opportunities. But I just thought the one thing I loved about it, which is something we've spoken about on this podcast earlier on in the season, was Loftus-Cheek. I thought his time was up. I thought I'd love to see him do amazing. I've tracked him since he was a young kid um, when I was you know, speaking to him when he was a 14, 15-year-old in the youth team. I just really want to see him do well, but... That's because I know I'm do I'm saying that from an emotional perspective, right? I'm not saying it from a perspective of I think he is better than you know certain players, but I just want to see him do well. And then he turns up against Juve. He showed little things against City when he came in. Then against Juve, he came on and looked alright. And then he gets his opportunity against Southampton. I just think that boom, this is Loftus Cheek, eighteen nineteen under Sarri coming back. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that that. Tuchel's done is he's not really isolated any players and, and it's one of the one things you could, could criticise Lampard with you know Alonso's playing a, have, had a great start to the season and he definitely got froze out um, he's, 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 he's brought players into the team who we wouldn't we weren't expecting and given them hope and it's creating competition amongst the players and, it, and a bit more of a I don't know it seems to be like there's a bit more of a team ethos around it so that there's confidence that they are going to get games and they're not just going to be there for, for, for the numbers. And, and that's what we thought Ruben was going to be. He was going to be there, you know, just to make up the numbers in training. And it's fucking amazing seeing him come on and, and, and start to sort of secure a place in the team. I thought uh, <clears throat> he was really, really good against Southampton. And I've always thought Loftus-Cheek was a great, a really good player. He's had some brilliant games, one-off games for us before, even two, three years ago where he sort of practically ran the game from midfield. But as you said, then he's gone up and down and he's dipped. But I think he's a great player. I think he's got the sort of build and the sort of ability of someone like Pogba, except for because he's not called Paul Pogba. He's, people think, well, he's all right, we can keep him as a sub. But I think he could play as well as that. He could be that sort of player for us, as Pogba has been for United and other teams. And he's just, if he could play consistently like that, he, he should be in the team, in my opinion, in the starting side. But I know we've got Kovacic and we've got Jorginho and we've got Orsi Kanto, who's brilliant. But but I just think he demands some sort of chance when he's been given it. But also, you know, I think um, you're right about Tuchel. You know, he's giving people, you know, the fact that, you know, we've paid 30 million quid for Saul and then he came on and had a terrible first half, which he did, and then came on again and had another terrible half. And now he's brought, he's bringing Barkley on, who I thought had gone completely, let alone lost his cheek. And even though he had 10 minutes, he did play a great pass to that sort of yeah, well, dude. Absolutely incredible. Oh, so you'd look at it and think, well, even Barkley, you know, has come on in head of, ahead of Havertz, let alone ahead of and Ziyech, let alone ahead of anybody else. And, you know, so I do think you're right, uh, Mooch. I think he's giving everybody a chance. So everybody's thinking, yeah, I've got a chance. As you said, it means they're all in training. Even Barkley's thinking, maybe I can make a comeback. They're all thinking. And also, I love the fact, against Juventus, we finished with about seven English players. It was seven. It was either six or seven, but I think it was seven English players we finished with. I a mean, lot of academy good, graduates we, as well, which is... Yeah, I yeah. Think, I mean, we, lost, we may have lost the game, but I think we had seven English players on the pitch at the end. And I've always said, I used to say, talk to Andy uh, Saunders about this, and we didn't agree on it particularly, but because I can remember one point in particular where I was banging on about, I think we should have more English players and have more English spine. And he said, I don't think so. I think the best 11 players, doesn't matter if they're English or not. But I still went back to, I suppose I'm going back to the Terry, uh, Cahill, Ashley Cole, Joe Cole, that era. And I said, I still think that we're a London club. Having four or five English players in there gives us a sort of, I don't know, grit that we haven't always got. On that point, I know, I know what you mean, Jeff, because we started the game against Juventus with no... Um, homegrown talent to to give it you know that 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 term in in the team and then by the end of it all five subs were were English and I I know what you mean because we're, we're a team from England and you feel like there should be a representation of English talent in there just like you expect from yeah, Spain or yeah. France or Italy or you know any any other country I think the key thing for Chelsea is um, not necessarily na- the nationality but what I want to see is a connection to what the club is. Exactly. And you get that connection to what the club is through the academy. Now, whether that's Christensen. Andreas Christensen, who's been at the club for 10 years as a 
you know, a Danish kid that was brought over here or whether it's Mason Mount who's been at the club since he was, you know, eight years old. I just think having that connection, because what it does is it, it gives you that culture coursing through the veins of the squad. And, um, yeah, whether people talk about nationality or not, um, I, I don't think that's too important. But No, I mean, it's not... I agree with you. Yeah, the, the nationality is... It's like, you're right. But I, but I, I understand the sentiment of what you're saying, because, and by and large, a lot of the players that come through your academy are going to be from just down the road or from Portsmouth like Mason Mount. So I, I, I'm completely in agreement with that because I just think that when you support a club, you want to have a culture and that culture has got to be represented by the players on the pitch in the dressing room. And I think that the reason why even now people hold the team of the 60s and 70s in such high regard and even the team that Eddie McCready had that was, you know, getting relegated, it had all the young players in it. It had the, you know, Kenny Swain and um, you know, others like that who were homegrown players that maybe didn't pull up trees and go on to become Chelsea legends, but they were what the club was at the time. You know, Tommy Langley is another one. It's someone who was on the pitch scoring goals as a Chelsea fan and you represent, you know, you, you relate to that, right? Just like when Chaloba scored at the weekend, everyone's even happier because it's, it's Trevor scoring because he's from the academy. It's brilliant. I love the way he took the second goal slightly more calmly than the first one, where he looked surprised that he scored. <laughs> love the yeah. fact that this time he did a sort of like, he picked it up with pumping the chest out, rather than the first one where he sort of knelt down and looked like, I've scored. But that's what everyone <laughs> was doing, right? that, 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 was a, that was all of us on our knees crying yeah. because we just yeah. scored for Chelsea. Oh, it's brilliant. But I just mean, I love the fact that by the second goal, he's thought, right, this time I'm giving it the big chest out like I've just scored you know what I mean I'm not going to go for a second one <laughs> <laughs> one thing I want to talk about with Ruben is uh, I, he definitely offers us something that the other sort of three midfielders he, we, we've got there you know with Saul Kante um, Jorginho uh, and Kova is is he gives he's more of an imposing physical specimen there like and it, it's kind of like it brings us back to you know when we had Drogba we had Balak we had sort of Terry we had Branner and we kind of we've got we've got similar sort of sides throughout the team with you know big rom up front, um, Ruben, you know Thiago Silva, T- um, Chalaba. It's it's we're we're a bit more of a a physical team now, I think, which is important. You know when especially especially in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Bang on there, Mooch. You're about that. He's literally imposing that uh, Loftus cheek. If he can get anything else right, he's so strong physically. So look at the fact he won the flick on for the first goal. He's strong in the air. He's strong in the tackle. He's physically like it's an imposing, you know, it, we, it's someone like that in midfield. If he can be on form, if he can keep his form up, he could be, especially as you say, playing Burnley and playing all these sides in the Premiership where you're going to have to grind games out. He's just brilliant for that. So I do want to talk about the competition in the centre of the pitch. What we do, we'll cut for a quick break and then when we come back, we'll talk about um, Andy's favourite subject, Jorginho. <laughs> okay. Well, good Irish ID, Ron Harris. Welcome back to the Chelsea. And we're back. <laughs> Cheers, Ron. Right, um, so be- before the break, we were talking about... Um, Loftus-Cheek and it's a really valid point it's very pertinent because um, I think that he offers something in the middle of the park that Chelsea have got obviously because he's in the squad but it's something they haven't utilised for a long time and I think that my view on Jorginho is that I'm not saying he's a bad player but I just don't think he's the best player and um, I think with Jorginho he limits the team and when people talk about he needs someone to play alongside him, I think, well, if that's the case, then what you're doing is you're putting one player in and subtracting something from the team because you're sort of selecting the team around him, which I don't think is a positive thing. Whereas Jorginho does stuff that Loftus-Cheek can't, but then equally Loftus-Cheek does stuff that Jorginho can't. And I just think that when you saw the game against Southampton, even though Jorginho would come off the bench, it was telling how Chelsea, Kovacic was obviously playing that uh, Jorginho role trying to get the ball forward trying to be the you know the uh the, the playmaker in in the middle of the park but the balance was there and I just think that with Kante and Loftus-Cheek that I think Chelsea have got a better midfield now that's going on the basis of one game but I just think that in the long term Jorginho will be phased out of this team I could be completely wrong but I just look at it and I just think that Tuchel's a clever guy and he knows that playing with Jorginho you're playing with the handbrake on and he slows things down. I think the reason we were on top against Southampton is obviously we're a better team, but I do think that 
we were on top because we played with a bit more substance. We were willing to break the lines quicker. Loftus Cheek with his quick feet was getting beyond the midfield. Um, you know, he was, he was bypassing. That's the other thing. Loftus Cheek driving runs, driving runs where he was just driving runs through the midfield, which you just sometimes look at teams, not just us, other teams, watch other games with other other teams. And sometimes you think when you see a player doing that, like Rudiger's done it a few times, doesn't he? Is Rudiger's done it a few times. Sometimes when someone gets the ball and drives through the midfield, and they can make 30, 40 metres. You think, why don't we do it more? Why don't more teams do it more, actually? Not just us. Why do they keep passing sideways in this ticker-tacker thing when one player can just drive through the midfield and take two of their, their players out, and then you're opening up the game because you've taken two of their players out, and they can't mark all our players. You've just taken two of their players out of the game. And and, and Loftus-Cheek did that two or three times that game, where he just powered through the midfield with the ball at his feet and went past people or around people and then played a pass. And, and Jorginho doesn't do that. And we really missed that against Man City. We missed it against Man City and we missed it against Juventus. So what I was going to say, obviously, I've just given you my my uh, monologue on the the, uh, the perils of having Jorginho in your team. What what, what do you both think? Uh, Mooch, if you had the opportunity with all players fit in an ideal world and you were told, pick your preferred midfield pairing, what would you go for? Well, I think I think it just depends on your position. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, uh, I think Jorginho is a quality player. Um, and, you know, that's why he's being mooted for this Ballon d'Or. I don't think he'll get it. But um, he's 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 been solid. He's been consistent. He does lack, um, you know, that tenacity and that that physical element. Um, but what what he does what he doesn't lack is that vision and and, and the the ability to control the pace of a game. I can't for the life of me remember what game it was. Uh, I think it was an FA Cup game, um, and we were we were getting bullied. Jorginho came on and the complete the, the the he dictated the pace of the game and really just took the sting out of it. Um, and we we we, we, uh, just, we we just played the game out, and it was great. And that was the first time I was just like, you know what, he is he is a quality player. I know you're not a biggest fan of him, but I do think he's he's really useful to have in the squad. I I do think he is useful in the squad. I think I don't know if this game you're talking about specifically, but after lockdown last year, when we came back and we played Palace at Selhurst Park and Pulisic scored, um, Palace got a late goal and were sort of putting pressure on and Jorginho came in just kept the ball and take, took the, the sting right out of the right out of the game I think he's good at that I just think that he's a player that you rotate in the squad but I just think that the football I would like to see this team play I want to see Chelsea play without the handbrake on and I think when you play with Jorginho that's what you're doing and that that might be that some people like that um, but I, I just think that when you were I forget who said it earlier I think it might be Newmitch when you're talking about players that Chelsea had that were physically imposing when you look at the golden era of the last 20 years with this team, the best Chelsea team has been from 2004, a little bit of a dip. And then when, when Ancelotti came in, I think that's the best Chelsea we've seen. Right. And I think at that time we had Lampard, McAuley, Balak, Essien, there was style and substance in there. Whereas I think with Jorginho, there's too much style. I agree. But I also think football has changed dramatically since that, that era. And I think uh, you like, you know, the, 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 you can't just overpower teams for the whole season. Um, and I think, I think, you know, like back then Mourinho was, was, you know, was God, but like you, you see now that his, his philosophy doesn't cut it as well as, as, as it did before. Uh, and I think that's why you see sort of like uh, players like Jorginho, which, you know, Pep, Pep was trying to sign this guy and we, 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 we nicked him with, with Sari. Um, uh, it's similar to, to sort of that Rodri play. I think it, it's, it's not See, Rod- Rodri's quality. He's Jorginho with muscle. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I, I I I do see your point, but I I I do feel that um, that it, he comes under a bit too much flack. So before we get to you, Jeff, just one sec. So what would you what would your ideal midfield pairing be, Mooch? I for me again, it depended on the opposition, but it would probably be Kante cover. All oh, right, not Jorginho. No, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, that, right, okay. it, I think, I think those two. It's, it's just that's the the dynamic double six that you're 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 going to get, and and I think Kovar is going to just get better and better. He just needs to add goals to his game, and then then he's he's great. What, what about you? What about yourself, Jeff? Um, yeah, I mean, I would. Say, I mean, I think I agree with Mooch. By the way, at the moment, I'd probably go with uh, Kovar and Kante, but I think Loftus Cheek. Would 
perhaps been the third choice and Jorginho the fourth choice. Um, uh, but but having said that, you're right. I think what Mooch is, is saying, and it's true, there are, there are games where Jorginho has sort of got uh, calmed the midfield down and got hold of the ball. And as you pointed out yourself, uh, Gary, he slowed the game down, but almost that was actually in our favour because we were losing our heads a bit and losing our shape. And so I think, as, as Mooch said, it depends on what's going on in the game. If, if, if the team look like they're losing their shape and losing their head slightly, then I think Jorginho is very good at coming on and sorting that out. But having said that, as a starting team that wants to break down Juventus or anybody else, any tough European team or any old Man City or Liverpool, you know, perhaps the drive, Cova, definitely, as you say, fantastic drive and really good tackling. And then Kante, who to me always looks like two players. You see him at one end and then suddenly he's at the other end. You, think, you don't even and notice it yourself you think he's everywhere um, so I do think those two probably the first choice as well for me but I do think if Loftus Cheek can carry on like you played against Southampton he's got to be in a shout and if you're going to go at teams I'd put him in front of Jorginho on the form he played in, against Southampton but that's only on that game not not you know he hasn't done enough yet to be sure how whether that's going to carry on if he can do that again and you want to go at someone I think he's got more drive and, and more presence than Jorginho but if you want to calm a game down and control the game, Jorginho has got that ability. I, I would agree on what you both said about Kovacic and Kante, because obviously with, with Kovacic, he's a known quantity, right? You know what you're getting with him. And then take Southampton and maybe a little bit Juventus out of it with Ruben. It's, it's a game in isolation, right? We, we saw, you know, some, you know, Bakayoko looked great against Spurs on his debut, right? We all know what happened with Bakayoko. I just think that, I think what Ruben's shown is there's a place for him in this squad. Um, and it's just interesting because as you start building it out, we were chatting before we came on and you just, you think about like Ross Barkley, has he got a role to play 20 minutes in games now? I, I know it's a one-off because again, we saw it last season when he went on loan to Villa, he had this incredible debut against Liverpool and they beat him 7-2 and then he just fell off a cliff. So you know he's got it in there, but can he do it consistently? And with Ruben, it's a case of, can he do it? Where the, the jury's still out, the question's still there. So I think that, starting should probably be Kante when fit with Kovacic. Um, but I think Ruben, if he can keep this up for the next two months, say, leading into Christmas, I think as we go into the second part of the season, he's you know putting a marker down to be starting. Well, I think it's, I mean, all of this is, uh, a lot of it comes down to confidence, you know, um, and, and, and minutes give you confidence. And it's a similar sort of thing that we've got with, with uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi. Like, I want to see him more and I want to see him more not at a uh, wing back. I want to see him more, you know, as, as a winger. Um, and, you know, it, I've seen stat merchants on, on Twitter sort of saying, you know, if he, if he had similar amount of time as, as, uh, as, you know, Mount Werner or Havertz, then uh, he'd be banging the goals. And I kind of want him to, but I don't know if, if it's going to happen. And there's something there with, with Callum Hudson-Odoi where, Several managers have seen him and they've not been playing him. And I'd, and I'd want to know why, because he's obviously talented. I don't know if it's something off the pitch, uh, but it, it, it's been several managers who've had the same sort of reluctance to play him for, for, for large sort of periods of the season. It's interesting to say that because um, you can use stats to argue the toss on anything, couldn't you really? But I, I, think, I think the interesting thing about um, Hudson-Odoi is that and you say about you know several managers have seen him, and when when Tuchel came in, he dropped Mount, and everyone was worried, thinking, "Oh, is this curtains for Mason?" Because he was he was Frank's boy. We we all love him, but then you know, as fans, you you get attached to certain players. Is this the end of him? But then he came in for like ten to fifteen minutes against Wolves, and Tuchel saw it. He didn't need five games to prove. He came in and went, "I'm not going to moan. I'm just going to come in and I'm going to show you why I should be playing." And Tuchel, apart from reasons of fitness he I can't think of a time he's dropped Mount based on form and he's shown him what a player he is whereas I think Hudson-Odoi he's still got to show it hasn't he Jeff yeah I think with I think what it is uh, I agree yeah it's true he's playing wing back and you could say he's not playing you know where Mount plays or Ziyech plays he's playing wing back um, or Havertz plays but um, whether he'd be better there I'm not sure. I mean, he seems. To, he, 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 I'm, I just wonder if he's got a confidence problem because he seems to be brilliant at getting in position, making runs, getting the ball, going at people. But the end product isn't. He's just not getting the end product. I mean, his final pass or his shot I haven't been there compared with some of the other players. I mean, he's great at, at 
you know, as I said, everything else is great. You know, they get the ball to him. He, he goes past people for pace, but then the final ball doesn't reach one of our players. Or he gets inside someone and the shot's wide. Do you know what I mean? He's just the final product and quite right. Um, I just wonder if it's confidence because he seems to have all the attributes to, to be really, to be like, like, like a Foden, you know, almost that level. Yeah, that sort of player. But he doesn't seem to be quite, I don't know if he quite believes it himself or whether perhaps, as you said, maybe him and the managers between them, there's not the confidence. Because he looks like he should have it all to me. Well, speaking of end product, let's take it back to Southampton for a second. Timo Werner, two goals. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say he got two yeah. goals morally <laughs> yeah. because um, the, the one that was disallowed, I, I can't believe that they disallowed that yet. They wouldn't go back and check. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, the, the, the following day, Liverpool play City and Milner got away with everything, which VAR wouldn't go back and check. So that inconsistency is frustrating. But what, what do you both make of, just starting with you, Mooch, what, what do you make of, of Werner? Because he's playing a little bit closer to Lukaku and he looks like he could score goals. Yeah, uh, he's great. I do love him. Um, he's, he's, he's missed a lot, but I think he's just got the mental attitude that, like, he was streaky at. Uh, 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 in Germany, you know, he, he he'd go through patches, but I think he I think he'll be good. I think he he does a lot for the team, even when he's not scoring. You know, he's stretching opposition. He's got such blistering pace, uh, and and he's German, so he's he's gonna he's gonna be focused in on it. He's not gonna mess about. Uh, I'm a fan. Yeah, I I'm, I'd agree with you, Mooch. I think uh, Werner, I've sort of got a soft spot for him because although I've been frustrated by him as a Chelsea fan quite a lot of times, a lot of games where, yeah. where he's, especially when he's drifted offside and you think, oh, if he just held the run just for another half a second or bent the run and he hasn't, but you've got to give him credit for the, he, he keeps his head up. I mean, I give him credit. He done half, I mean, you know, he keeps making the runs. He keeps going, he keeps going. And he does get uh, defenders in the end because he does wear them down because he keeps going at them. And I thought he, he that, that game against Southampton more epitomised what he's good about Werner, which is the you know the goal disallowed, which as we all know, as I said, it's never been disallowed. Uh, it was absolutely crazy. I mean, the linesman was practically next to it, didn't flag for uh, a foul. Referee didn't give a foul, but then Mike Dean decides it's a foul because he's in a porter cabin somewhere and doesn't have to. <laughs> but he doesn't have to listen to the Chelsea fans, does he? So the linesman's there, doesn't is right next. To it. You look at that replay. The linesman's next to it. Linesman can, can flag for a foul. We all know that. They do. Doesn't flag for it. The referee doesn't give it. Then about a minute later, well, not a minute, but, you know, 30 seconds later after another phase of play, we score. And then they say, oh, well, let's go and double check. Mike Dean says, oh, I've had a look at that on the VAR. I think there was a ridiculous entomer. But the point being that Werner did show that after that disappointment, because he must have been gutted after that, that he went back and still scored a goal. So if he can keep that to go, he's, 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 again, not necessarily always a starter, but he's a brilliant squad player and he can come on in games and score goals. I think he can, or give the opponents problems. I'm excited to really see the partnership with Lukaku as well, because I think that could, could like, it, it's, it's similar to what he had uh, in Germany, um, you know, playing off a big man. Um, and I think, you know, a few more, few more games, like we're just starting to play with two, two up front. I think he could flourish into to something really special. Here's the conundrum though, right? If you go with that partnership of Lukaku and Werner, which I think has got a little bit of Hasselbank and Good Johnson about it, right? Yes. Yeah, ah, yeah. Yeah. Obviously time will tell if it has. So don't I'm not saying that we have, Andy, um, that we are seeing that. But um the problem is if you go with that and it works, great. But then how do you factor in the generational talent of Kai Havertz? Where does Mason Mount come into it? Where does Ziyech, where does Pulisic and obviously Hudson-Odoi? Well, this is why I'm not paid the big bucks because I have absolutely <laughs> well, no idea. <laughs> we're paying you to be on here, Mooch. Come on, mate. You've got to give us a solution. Uh, well, look, it, it comes down to form. It comes down to form and keep the opposition guessing. If you play the same uh, formation every week, uh, you, you're going to get found out. Um, and I think, it, you know, it's... <sighs> it, Werner is a player that I think will be coming on off the bench a lot more than starting. Uh, and you know, in, in that in that last sort of thirty forty minutes, uh, it'll be stretching teams, and and that's where I think we'll see um, the best of him. Um, because I, you know, I don't think I don't think Mount is going to be dropped. I think Havertz is a quality silky player that um, is is going to be great for us. But this it's just, it's an embarrassment of riches, and I think uh, I think it's it's a great time to be a Chelsea fan. Yeah. 
I, I would say in that, that that front line there, obviously Pulisic has been injured quite a lot on and off for some time and at the moment doesn't seem to be in people's minds understandably but obviously on form there's no doubt on form he can he can you know he can deliver and he can be very dangerous but at the moment he's not in people's minds Havertz yeah obviously I think when you score the winning goal in the Champions League final you know it's almost like there's no way you can ever not be at least in contention because people will say if he had a terrible season you say that guy scored the winning it doesn't matter what he does but he hasn't been quite on form the last few games before he was sort of dropped uh, for the last game and and then so I think really that Mount and Werner with Lukaku is the best three Interesting. One thing I, you talked about Pulisic. So Pulisic and Ziyech are players whose future at the club I'm not sure about because I think with is Pulisic has got two years left on his contract yeah, or something yeah. like that. A lot of injuries, some flashes of absolute genius, brilliance. Um, but then it's just he seems to be just about to be building up momentum, and then he has a little setback. And I don't know if 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 Chelsea is just going to be ruthless. Sell him on because you're going to have to make a decision. You don't want to get into the last year of the contract. And I think a similar sort of thing with Ziyech. He's not had the, the easiest run with injuries. Um, he shows just, you know, flashes of genius. He does. Um, but then it's not consistent. It's amazing, isn't it, with Ziyech? Called that brilliant goal away against Man City in the league. Um, or was it the FA Cup? Well, FA well, well, Cup. FA Cup, yeah. He's called that brilliant goal in that game. And he scored a couple of other fantastic goals. And then he can have a game where he just doesn't do anything. I mean, what well, doesn't, doesn't do anything, but nothing crucial. Do you know what I mean? And that's the same with... It's strange. Some of those players seem to be, you know, on, on, if you had, a, you know, what they call the, uh, what they call the Twitter reel or the Instagram reel, you know, that they talk about that players have when they get signed, you know, and they've got an Instagram reel of their best five games. If you put an Instagram reel, you know, put a reel together of Ziyech's five best goals or Pulisic's five best goals, you say, oh, they've both got to start their genius level. And then yeah, you look at them consistently and think, no, consistently wise, Mount's better or Burner's better or someone else is better. But yet on, on their day, they can be amazing. But I think you're right, Mooch. They've got two, loads of good players. As you said, we should try and look at positives. I think you're right. My, my hot take with um, Pulisic is that outside of Mount, I think he's Chelsea's best player. I just think that when he's on it, yeah, and the problem is he keeps getting his injuries. And then I was chatting about it with Kerry um, before we came on and um, and he said the same thing that I, I was thinking is that I hope we haven't got him at the wrong time in his career. Because remember when we had Robin and Robin had that incredible partnership with, with Duff and then he just kept getting injured and then we sold him and he went to Real Madrid and they sort of got him when his body sort of understood what he was trying to do and he had, he'd got rid of all those niggly injuries. And but didn't, wasn't he a bit average at Madrid and then when he went to Germany, he just that's when he sort of really... Yeah, but he, he, did, he did well at... I think he did well at Madrid. But yeah, when, when he was at Bayern, that was when he sort of became a legend of the European game, right? But still, Madrid got him at a time where he wasn't getting injured a lot. And, and I think with, with Pulisic is that he's so explosive and... He had that horror. You think about the FA Cup final against Arsenal. He scored. He was running riot. We wouldn't have lost that game if he went off injured. Yeah, and, then he, so. and then it took him so long to come back from that hamstring injury where there was no pre-season. It was literally like the players had three weeks off and the new season was starting, right, because of COVID. And I just think that with Pulisic is that if Chelsea can manage him right, he's only 22 still. If they can is manage him right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's he's funny, still only he's 22. Still he, looks, he, looks, he looks about 25 minimum, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he's, it's, he's, it's, just, it's just crazy how young some of these players are. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's you know, yeah. just 22 years old. And I just think that, oh, actually, sorry, he's, 20, yeah. he's only just turned 23, like yeah. two weeks ago. But he's still so young. And also, you've got to, you've got to, I mean, it's slightly cynical, but he, from a commercial aspect as well, you know, the best American player. And we've got a big, big fan base in America. Um, I think, I, I don't think they'll let him go. I but yeah, I, I just think that I think that physically, if they can manage him, that he's not in, even in his prime yet. If they can just manage him and get him through it, that when he becomes 25, 26, he's going to be at his peak and Chelsea are going to have this incredible talent on their hands because I just think that you, you see the way that there's not many players that can really be explosive. He's not as good as Hazard, okay? But the way Hazard would run with the ball at pace yeah. and it'd jink through people, Pulisic does the same. And I always think back to um, one of the first games back after lockdown when we beat City and we won the title for Liverpool. And the, the way that he completely, you know, we had the breakout from the corner and he just left Mendy for dead, showed him enough of the ball to commit him and just skip by and he scored that goal. 
And I just think that he's got that in him and it, it, and he's consistent when he's fit. But the problem is, is can he stay fit? But I, I think that comes down to Chelsea monitoring him and trying to limit how often he goes away of America because he's he's off with the American team traveling and he is their best player, right? So they're trying to squeeze every bit of talent out of him. But I just think that, yeah, I, I know, he, I think it's fair to, you know, to complain and or to be frustrated with the injury record that he's got. But I just think that he's got so much to give. Yeah, I totally agree with that, uh, Gary. I, I, I just, I suppose I'm thinking in the current squad of who seems to be fit and ready to play. Um, but I agree, if six totally fitting on it, then yeah, it's it's very tight who those front three would be. I mean, obviously Ron would be in the middle, but who the other two would be. But but I'm just saying on on maybe I'm going perhaps even off the last game, which is you can't think like that. I mean, as as Mood said, we're not being paid to be a manager. So but I suppose, you know, Werner's just had a great game where he's really, you know, shown commitment and scored a good goal. And and obviously I love Mason Mount. I think he's brilliant. I just think he should be in all the time and and and, and I say Ron's always gonna be the focal point the centre forward so to me they might be the starting three at the moment but as you said it could change in weeks you know in weeks Pulisic could come out and have an amazing game back after injury and and, and we were saying right he's got to start or Ziyech could come out and play second half and do something amazing so he's got to start it's very tough and then Havertz but as you said Mooch I agree with Mooch we've got loads of brilliant players we should be like stoked I mean our bench to me is even better than City's and City's bench is frightening but I think ours is even yeah. better uh, but I think we've got about the only bench that's as good or better than City's is when you look at it. Yeah, Gary, you're the you're the you're the you're the fan of potentially playing Mount further further a bit deeper in midfield. Is that or have I confused you with someone else? No, no, no. That's right. That's right. That's what I said until Loftus Cheek has edged his way into into the reckoning. But I, I did think that if you were trying to navigate Squeeze this, in. where you're yeah. thinking, you know, where can we get as much talent on this pitch as possible? And if you played Mount alongside Kante in that Kovacic role, that you see the way he presses anyway, the way he dictates the way Chelsea play, that it frees up a position there. But equally, do you want to lose him up there? But then if you do that, then what that allows is that you have Pulisic and Havertz up there with Lukaku or Werner and Havertz or Pulisic and Werner. Do you see what I mean? So... But then I think that seeing Ruben, and again, it's a one game in isolation. I completely understand that. So, but if Ruben right. was to do that I like consistently, the hope that you've, you've attached to it because <laughs> we're no, all no, exactly. In, yeah, we're, all, we're all in the same boat. We're like, exactly. you see that little spark, and you're yeah. like, and you it's going to happen. Ruben, it's happening. Yeah, you, mate. I've I love you. I've seen you do this from a kid, and now you're doing it. And we saw him do it consistently with Sarri, and then he got that Achilles injury, right? And I just think. If he can do that, then that sort of kills the Mount conversation that I had in my head with myself. But um, I just think that if Mount did drop deep, you've still got a good tempo. You've got a player who's incredibly talented that can help control the game alongside Kante and sort of get Chelsea moving in that attacking third. And it opens up that space for someone dynamic like Pulisic. I do agree with you because I think Mount is like, he's, he's a coach's dream. Do you know what I mean? He's just so coachable and he'll do what you ask of him. Uh, and I think you know the the the, the coaches who consistently playing him um, all seem from the same saying him same him sheet um, with him. I do, I do feel it is kind of wasting him a bit. But I do, I all, I do, I kind of when I heard it, I did kind of subscribe to it. And I was like, I, I could see that, I could see that. I knew I liked you, Mooch, when I first met you. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I'm I'm just conscious of time, chaps, because um, I did say we wouldn't be talking too long, but we got. Um, yeah, I guess we were just talking sense. Uh, well, Although, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure there's someone on a beach in Spain somewhere who's throwing his phone into the med, um, Andy. Um, so j- just quickly, because you, you made the point, Mooch, saying, you know, Tuchel still hasn't been at Chelsea for a year. It's been, you know, 10 months. So just, I guess, in, in a summary, really, like I said, we're at, we're at this point in the season where I think that it doesn't determine exactly what's going to happen, but you start seeing the league taking shape now. What do you make of these 10 months of Tuchel and where do you think we can go this season in 30 seconds and I'll, then you jump in after Jeff? Well, uh, it's it's the defence that is still just so solid and we, we like the, the attacking machine is starting to start, start starting to purr um, and I think if, if, if we can keep the defensive record that we've had for the first eight months or however long he's been here, 10 months um, and, and get, you know, the best out of Rom, get the best out of Havertz, you know, Ziyech, um, Pulisic, you know, as we've just been talking about, then I think we've got this, we've got a 
solid team who are just young, you know, uh, and, and I'm I'm generally excited. Uh, yeah, for my side of things, I think we've got to be with a shout of the Premier title, Premiership, uh, but it's obviously, as you said, very, very early. Um, and whether we can do it in a, this season, I mean, I'd say top four, very confident about top four, which last season I wasn't, to be honest, or an absolute certain, because, yeah, we were in transition from uh, Lamps to Tuchel. Um, I think, but, but I'd still be confident in the top four, but the game against City was a bit of a bit of a wake-up call, you know, because before the game against City, I thought, I was really beginning to think, you know, we can beat anybody or we can at least hold anybody. We held Liverpool away with 10 men. I thought, there's nobody going to do us. And then City really dominated us. They didn't just beat us. They, we looked, you know, they looked like, a, to me, a much better team. And that was at Stamford Bridge. So that was a bit of a setback. But then you watch Liverpool and City yesterday and think, well, we went to Liverpool and got a draw with 10 men. So, you know what I mean? You, you, it's hard to say it. But, but I do think Liverpool and City are maybe the main threats. I know Man United have only just had a couple of bad games and could come back and be really good. But I think it will be between us and City, really. I think even Liverpool, I think we can get the better of them. I think it will be between us and City for the title. That's what I've seen. I know mean, I'm talking a long way ahead, but that's my genuine feelings. But it may well be them, not us. But I think we've got a chance, and certainly top four, I think. And, and I'd agree with Mooch. We've got a great, brilliant manager. I think he's fantastic. And we have got an amazing squad So and a lot of young players. Excellent. Well, cheers, chaps. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Mooch. Thanks for that, Jeff. So, um, with the podcast, I'm not sure when it's back. I think it's back after the Brentford game. So, um, in the meantime, Mooch, what's your social media in case people want to get in touch with you to give you abuse for agreeing on the Mason Mount view? <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Mooch about M-O-O-C-H about uh, on, on everything, really. And you, Jeff? Uh, mine, uh, my, my, it's at Jeff Whiting, B-A-1. So G-E-O-F-F-W-H-I-T-I-N-G-B-A and then one. So at Jeff Whiting, B-A-1. And I'm sure to take some flat. I know I will. Because uh, as you guys know, there's got a lot of fans out there, love Havertz, who we didn't seem to think was going to necessarily be starting that much in the next couple of games. And there's loads of other players, loads of the, the people love that we probably didn't big up very much. And so uh, I'm bound to get some flat. But, uh, you know, let's hope some people agree with something we said. <laughs> Well, in the meantime, I hope Andy's applying the Factor 50. So uh, cheers, chaps, and um, we'll chat next time. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.